Welcome back to Sports of Panther Mass. Uh, thank you for tuning in on this Martin Luther King Jr. evening. Uh, first, let's just be thankful for Dr. Martin Luther King as not only did he do enormous things for civil and human rights, but he gave us all the voice to stand up for what we believe in and have your voice heard, actually. So thank you for tuning in on this fine day and give a appreciation to him. Like and subscribe to our channels. It helps me out a lot and just give us some feedback. And also, I'd like to hear your inputs as well. Uh, social media is still as followed. Uh, we're here on YouTube, Sport Pantomats channel. Uh, Facebook is uh, Sports Pantomats podcast. Instagram, we're at Sports Pantomats. Twitter, at Sports Pantomats one. And you can email us at sportspantomats at gmail.com. You can also you can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, which is under Sports Handsome Mass. So first, just in some breaking MLB news that happened today, the Braves signed King Felix Hernandez to the Braves. So on a $1 million minor league, $1 million minor league contract. How do I feel about it? Um, it's a minor league contract. He's a veteran who hopefully will just bring a lot of, you know, expertise and experience to the Braves young guys. Not what I would like for them to go target. It's not really, I'd rather them go after a big name solidified ace rather than, you know, go after some guys, you know, on the bottom end of his career. However, the main thing I want to talk about, which I'm starting with MLB news, which I usually don't do, the Houston Asterisks, which I won't even say their actual name anymore. The Houston Asterisks, which if you guys haven't heard, it's all over you know, all the talk shows and everything. I'm just going to give my little take on it. I have a long rant last podcast. If you didn't hear, you can go find it in my last video where I just pretty much bashed the Houston Asterix. So the MLB hands down their cruel punishment to these cheaters and just embarrassment of an organization. So, you know, the manager suspended for a year, the GM suspended for a year, which they were eventually fired. Um, I, I heard stories that the manager really wasn't even that in on it. He was sticking up for his players, so they didn't have to take the fall. And none, none of those players came to his defense. Those players are snakes. Those are players are absolute snakes. Can't stand those players, and I just have no respect for those players. Didn't stand up for their manager either. Nothing. They didn't take regards of their actions. Didn't take responsibility. Just awful for Altuve and Brent to come talk to the press and not even apologize for what they did. Terrible. Second. They received $5 million in fines. Did you know that just after that 2017 World Series, they made over $60 million as an organization? Do you think $5 million means that much after a $60 million profit? They also lost their first and second round draft picks in the next two years. Draft picks aren't even guaranteed to be great. That They're potential. This is just soft by Rob Manfred and the MLB. Just awful like come on man like are you serious this this is my theory on what needs to happen the players involved need to be banned bam i'm gonna get to more on that in a minute and they need to strip the titles and i'll explain exactly what should be done just so we never experience this cheating again in baseball or any other sports at that we need to strip those titles and what we need to do is have no champion for that. Don't don't award the Los Angeles Dodgers. They didn't go out there. They didn't win a World Series. While they lost to people who were cheating and they could have won the game, they didn't win the games when they needed to. So you cannot award a championship to a team just like 
the Yankees shouldn't get the pennant for that year either. However, this is what needs to happen. They need to have no champion for the 2017 World Series. And every time, and also for the 2018, once the Red Sox get handed their punishments. The 2017 World Series just needs to say vacant. And it needs to say the 2017 World Series was vacated from the Houston Asterix after they were caught cheating by, one, giving a live feed for the signs and signaling to players what pitch was coming when. And also, there's a new scandal out about, you know, this possible buzzer thing. I'm going to get on that in just a second. But first, I want to do a little comparison. Pete Rose, all-time Major League hits leader, played more games than anybody, loved baseball, and played with a passion that a lot of us don't see today. Um, A lot of my older listeners and guys who have been able to experience more sports than I have, I've gotten to see Pete Rose highlights and watch the way that Pete Rose played the game. And that's how you teach your kids how to play the game. You want them to play it hard in the right way. But you want them to have fun doing it as well. Pete Rose is banned from baseball for – betting on his own team to win games. How that makes any sense, I don't know. He's banned for life while Altuve and Bregman get to sit there and have some god-awful of an excuse um, response to all these allegations while Pete Rose has had a lifetime ban and cannot get elected into the Hall of Fame. Ridiculous. Now, people want to argue the steroid era. Let's, let's talk about the steroid era. Barry Bonds, who's a lot of you guys have, I've talked to many of my friends and family, and people consider Barry Bonds to be one of the best, if not the best hitter they've ever seen. And can I argue it? No, not really. I will say he did steroids, and that made him, you know, stronger, faster, and, you know, just gave him an advantage. However, it doesn't compare to knowing the pitches that are coming. That, that not even close. And I saw a great comparison on Twitter, and it kind of made me laugh a little bit. And it said, imagine guessing the pitch right on MLB The Show every pitch. And I was like, that makes total sense. When when I guess fastball inside and, and I guess it right, I'm turning on that. And I, nine times out of ten, you know, it's doubling the gap, a home run, you know, base hit, hard hit ball, and I'm timing it up. Timing is one of the keys in baseball. you got to have good time. you got to be able to first have the hand-eye coordination, the timing to hit the ball. So Barry Bonds, he had the hand-eye coordination. And, I mean, hey, he, he guessed right. He wasn't using some sign-stealing technology to give himself an advantage. He was, you know, stronger, faster, bigger. But, hey, what can you argue? 73 home runs in a season. If he, if he would have known what pitch was coming, could you imagine? He would have 100 home run season. It would have been stuff we've never seen before. So this is worse than steroids to me. This is the worst that you can get in it only got worse. So I'm on Twitter. None of this is confirmed. So hear me out. None of this is confirmed. They've looked into it and they said they couldn't find enough. I think the MLB looks bad enough and they don't want nothing else coming out. So I'm going to tell you what all I've been re- I followed this very closely on Twitter and I've been reading through all the accounts and coming up with what I believe is going on and what they're saying is going on. So how two Van Bregman have been accused of having a buzzer to buzz them when a pitch is coming in. And there's a guy, a lot of good memes. For example, Altuve getting electrocuted when a pitch is coming. It's funny. So go look up some of those memes. You get a good laugh in. So I'm going to just explain the video real quick and tell you what I saw. Altuve first 
hits a walk-off home run off of Aroldis Chapman, who throws over 100 miles per hour. On The pitch that he hits out is an 84-mile-an-hour off-speed pitch on the outside corner. Now, for you guys who don't haven't played baseball or just don't really – aren't getting the terms that I'm talking about right here. Okay, so he usually throws 100 miles an hour. The, how hard it is to time that up is you have to be guessing and you have to be ready looking for fastball. How he guesses an 84-mile-an-hour off-speed pitch on a 2-1 count when the batter's ahead, he should be looking for a fastball. Just seems a little fishy. Now, some guys can guess right, and you know maybe that's the case. So I'm going to keep going. He gets the walk-off home run. He's coming to home plate, and they catch him on video saying, don't remove my shirt. Don't remove my shirt. And I don't remember the reporter's name who asked him the post-game interview. They says, why didn't you want your shirt removed after you hit the home run? He says he's shy, and his wife got on to him the last time he did it. Now, and on Twitter, you know, someone posted pictures of him taking his own shirt off after hitting walk-off his. Does that seem like the shy person to you? Now, let's keep on going. Twitter account claiming to be Carlos Beltran, who a player who was involved in the whole cheating system performed by the Houston Asterix was fired before he even could coach a game for the New York Mets, an organization he spent a long time with. And his niece, con- or his niece confirms some of these things that are going on. However, found a Twitter account named Gary Sheffield Jr., who claims it, well, oh, he claims to be a, he claims that the account is a former player who was on the Astros who did not agree with what was going on. And it sounds right to have all this intel and inside information that this account is putting out. My theory, Brian McCann did not want to be involved, and he is the source to all this information. He's retired. He's got nothing to lose. Hopefully it is Brian McCann because then I'd I'd gain a lot more respect for him again after he left my Braves to go be a Yankee a long time ago. Speaking of the Yankees, Glaber Torres was also accused by that account of using a buzzer on his leg. And this account also said that the Yankees had cameras in their bullpen. So it seems like this cheating stuff is going all around baseball. And baseball needs to go ahead and step up to the plate and say, this is what we're going to do. Cheating will not be tolerated, and we need to go with the most severe punishment so we do not have this reoccurring trend in baseball. So, you know, you're kind of getting my conspiracy theories on right here, and some people are going to be like, this dude is out of his mind. He's crazy. That's part of this. This is me having fun talking about my opinion, and hopefully I'm getting you going, and you're wanting to comment and give your feedback to me. So I'd love to hear it. So. Here's some more conspiracy theories for you that I got, and I've just been coming up with these all week. Um, I I love watching football, and I love, you know, coming up with scenarios in my head, especially for the NFL draft. So, well, these are not confirmed to happen, and I don't necessarily believe that they're going to happen. It'd just be awesome to watch happen. So I'm going to just give you a couple of them, and these are Cole's NFL conspiracy theories. First, Carolina will trade up in the draft or make a trade for Joe Burrow. I love Joe Brady going to the Panthers, and you saw how those two worked well together at LSU, extremely well, record-breaking season well. <laughs> um, they they mesh together very well. Matt Rule coming in, guy you want to play for, great coach. And then you got Joe Brady, who's an awful, awesome offensive mind. They worked well together. I don't know if the Bengals are going to trade this number one pick, which I'm going to get to that in a second, 
But just talking about Buddy, even if they don't trade up for Joe Burrow, there's always a chance that they trade up for Tua. And I was talking to a good buddy. He's a Bama fan and a Falcons fan, Zach. He um, he was telling me what it would be like to have to watch his favorite college football player, Tua, go to the Panthers and play for the Panthers against their rival, the Falcons, who he is a fan of. So he said it would be awful to watch, and he'd have to just give Tua a golf clap after he did something good. So I thought it was funny. Shout out to Zach. So I was going on about how the Bengals could trade the number one pick, Joe Burrow, or allow Carolina to trade up for him. First, this is what the Bengals should do if they aren't all in on Joe Burrow. You know, he he's going to be a good quarterback, I believe, but I don't know about elite. Here's what they could do. The Bengals could wait and get Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields next year with the number one or top one or two picks. First, here's the first step. Acquire Cam Newton from the Panthers. And this is how a trade that I just built up in my head and got bored and was like, All right, this is, let's just see how this will work. So the Panthers received this year's number one pick, getting Joe Burrow. The Bengals receive a swap of this year's first-round picks, Carolina's first-round pick next year, and a, uh, a second-round swap of picks this year. Also, you receive Cam Newton. And after that, you trade Cam Newton for to a contending team because that's what Cam Newton deserves. He deserves to go to a team that's going to contend. He doesn't deserve to go to a rebuilding team, try to have to carry that weight. And you trade him for no longer than no lower than a second round pick, preferably a first. But if you can get a second round pick, then there you go. So now you've stocked up. You got you can use this year's one pick to get a playmaker, whether it be on the defensive line or the offensive line. Next. You get your quarterback with your top pick next year, and you just completely rebuild. And first, you like I said, you go get Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields next year. This year, you get offensive lineman and our pass rusher, and then the other you fill those needs in. It goes quarterback, left tackle, pass rusher, and then you go for a weapon, whether it be a, a wide receiver to, you know, complement uh, aging AJ Green or a running back who can help take the load off of Joe Mixon. So that's my next conspiracy theory. Last, which is, it's out there. It's out there, but it would be so cool to watch it. So I believe Sean Payton is going to one day coach the Dallas Cowboys. And I don't know if he'll replace Mike McCarthy. I don't. But I think Sean Payton will go to the Dallas Cowboys. And Ed Orgeron, who loves Louisiana, will take over his spot as the New Orleans Saints coach. Now, is it realistic? Maybe not. But hear me out. LSU was his dream job. Now, what's bigger in Louisiana? Is it LSU or is it the Saints? I know both of them are huge in LSU, but I feel like they're more of a Saints state. I think it would be bigger for Louisiana for him to coach the Saints than LSU. But am I, am I going to be right? I don't think so. But it'd be awesome to see Ed Orgeron to the Saints, Sean Payton to the Cowboys, and I think both of those teams would still be great teams. I think it should be really cool to see if you want me to be honest with you. So next I want to address how wrong I was on the national championship. And, you know, we don't get this often. Um, some people don't really like to admit that they're wrong. I'm a person who I don't mind saying, you know, I'm wrong or I was wrong here. So, one, I want to start with the game didn't really live up to the hype. 
Clemson started hot, and at one point I was like, man, maybe I should have put some money on Clemson. But it faded out, and we saw Trevor Lawrence look rattled, overthrows, almost a little panic-ish. However, he's still going to be a great quarterback. Um, Joe Burrow outplayed him, and I did not expect that. So shout-out to Joe Burrow, proving me wrong, and I'm so glad. One thing – oh, I'm going to keep going before I get on Joe Burrow. So LSU looked dominant again. That's the best offense I've seen in a long time. It was just very explosive, very, very explosive. And I thought Clemson would limit those plays, and they didn't. Um, we saw LSU just dominate the whole second half, and this is why their defense was sneaky good. A sneaky good defense that was had playmakers and just kind of underperformed this year and then hit their strides in the right moment and came to play against Clemson and shut them down. Going on, Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow is going to be a good NFL quarterback. I don't know about elite. I don't know. I'm going to have to see him. There's a, that's a big talent and speed jump, and he's not going to have these same top wide receivers to throw to. Great tight end, great offensive line, great running back. He's surrounded by pieces. Now, when he goes to the Bengals, now it's a bad offensive line. Uh, you got A.J. Green, who's not that healthy. You got Joe Mixon, who's not bad, just – uh, a little, he's not bad. He's a good running back. Bengals weren't a good team this year. You're going to a bad team. When you came to LSU, you're coming into a team that's top five in recruiting every year almost. They recruit well. They got the players. So it's going to be tough for him to make that adjustment. I'm excited to watch him because I love his confidence in himself and his willingness to let his guys go make a play and trusting his guys who can make a play. We don't see that with many quarterbacks now. We see more. Uh, I don't trust this guy that much, or I'm going to throw it away so I can be conservative and not make the mistake downfield. Personally, I don't mind if my quarterback throws interceptions on the deep ball, especially on a you know 40-yard pass downfield. It almost kind of serves as a punt to a point. If your wide receiver can get them down right there, then, hey, it's almost like a punt in that scenario. So I like his willingness to you know be almost a gunslinger to a point, but uh, he's a more of a smart gunslinger. Um, his throws, or maybe it was more of a scheme that made the throws look easy, but he just always, and if it was one-on-one, he let his guy go make the play, and I loved that. Speaking of how he's going to progress to the NFL, I'm going to go ahead and get on these conference championship games from this weekend. So, first game, the Chiefs versus the Titans was a great watch. I watched both games all day. I didn't really leave the bed. I just sat there all day and just watched the games, and uh, when I watched the games, I typed notes in my phone just so I can kind of re-spark my memory when I'm getting everything ready for my podcast. So I just take notes during the games and kind of what stands out to me. And this is some things that stood out to me the most. Mike Vrabel is the coach of the Tennessee Titans for years to come. Years to come. He's he's just a different-minded guy. And he's he's just going to out-coach guys for many more seasons to come. I love Mike Vrabel in Tennessee. I'm not sure what they're going to do at the quarterback position yet, but he came he he came ready to coach. Only thing is, oh, last thing on Vrabel, watch videos of him doing the drills with his players and working with his players. I just I love seeing that in my coach or in a coach, and I'd love to watch him coach. From I'm excited to watch him coach. He's going to be great, and he's just a player's coach too. It seems like they got behind and Derrick Henry. Shout out for an amazing postseason, something we may not see again for a long, long time. Over 180 yards back-to-back games. 
However, the, the Chiefs defense came ready for him. And Frank Clark backed up that trash talking. I was gonna I, on here, I was gonna bash him because I was like, man, Derrick Henry, you don't trash talk that man. But he he backed it up and I loved it. You want to talk trash, hey, back it up and you know what the Chiefs defense did, and I I respect the hell out of that. That's awesome. I, I love watching just a physical football game. And Virgil just ran into the best football player I've ever seen, Patrick Mahomes boy, or Pat Mahomes, as you guys, you know, if you Shannon, you know, I'm skipping Shannon Undisputed. You know, I watch that show often, and Shannon's always called him Mahomes boy. So I had to shout out Pat Mahomes boy. He's incredible. What I don't know what he can do. And now you got to worry about him running around using his legs. He's finally healthy. You see the knees come all the way around. Just a dominant force, a dominant force of a football player and the best quarterback I've ever seen to this day. He's topped Aaron Rodgers. He's topped Manning. He's topped Brady. All on talent are what I've seen and what they can do and the throws he can make, the plays he can make. And he just got this, this it factor, that run down the sideline and then carrying three defenders into the end zone. You don't see that often. And I'm just so – it's awesome to be able to watch it. So I'm not going to give you my Super Bowl predictions yet either. Um, we're going to save that for the next podcast for sure. Um, so going back, he, he got the throw with accuracy. He can throw the ball, I don't even know how, I mean, 70 yards at least. Goodness gracious. He's got a cannon of an arm. And have you seen the throws he makes on the run? It's just the throws he makes on the run are what blows my mind the most. And looking away and throwing the ball to this guy, he, he picks apart his own. You can't cover the Chiefs and man because of all the playmakers. And here's – it just – their defense, oh, man, like the similarities between them and LSU is insane. They both have elite quarterbacks. Well, Joe Burrow being elite for college and Pat Mahomes being the best quarterback I've ever seen. You have the playmaking quarterback. You have the playmakers. You have the Tyreek Hills, the Sammy Watkins, the Travis Kelseys, the running game. Miko Hartman. And on LSU, you got Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, Edwards Alaire, Thaddeus Moss. I've seen a lot of similarities. Now, here's the other thing sneaky good defense. All year, towards the end, we're like, man, LSU defense, I don't know. I don't know. They didn't look good against Ole Miss. They didn't look good against Vanderbilt. I don't know about LSU's defense. Same thing for Kansas City. I don't know about it. Kansas City defense. How are they against the run? Can they get after their quarterback? Can they, you know, how's their secondary going to hold up? It's sneaky good defense. And it's an experienced defense. You got Frank Clark down there causing havoc. And then you got the honey badger in the secondary. And just those two guys can make a huge impact. And they're also missing the, is it Chris Jones, defensive tackle? Missing him as well. He played limited snaps. So they're just getting healthier. They bottled up Derrick Henry. They came ready to play in. I'm so glad the Chiefs won. I wanted to see them in the Super Bowl. Now, for my other pick where I picked the Packers, I've never been let down so bad by Aaron Rodgers. And this is from one who owns an Aaron Rodgers jersey. I wanted to throw it in the trash. Throw it in the trash after I watched Aaron Rodgers fumble a snap and not be the first guy on the ground to go after it. What the hell is that? Are you a le- What kind of leader does that? Oh, I dropped the ball. Let me just, you know, stand back. Someone else will get it. That is the most Aaron Rodgers thing I've seen, and I've always been the defender of Aaron Rodgers, and I will no longer be. I don't know who showed up for the first half. 
Aaron, Aaron Rodgers looks like an old man out there. Honestly, he looks like he doesn't want to get hit. He doesn't want to go out there and, you know, put his body on the line for the team. And he doesn't seem like a team guy. He seems like a me guy. But I want this pass away. Oh, I'm going to be checked down and keep my completion percentage at a high rate. So I look efficient. It's what everyone knows me as. It's just it's an excuse. Like, that, that's awful. He, he, he can't really put – he looked decent in the second half, but it's back to it is he's conservative. And then it's, oh, well, you know, it's 27 nothing. Let me start pushing the ball downfield. Well, great job, Aaron Rodgers. Finally, you realize it. We need to start scoring some points quick because we're down 27 points after the first half. And don't even start trying to blame on the defense, the running game. You know, not, no one came to play, especially the offense. The offense was probably the worst part to watch. Uh, being a Packers fan, and I laughed during the game. I was like, I was laughing. I was like, I didn't expect anything more. I watched them get dominated by the 49ers, and I said on my last podcast, I don't know why I'm picking the Packers. I'm picking it more with my heart than I was my head. I was thinking I'd love to see Aaron Rodgers and my homeboy battle down the Super Bowl, and Aaron Rodgers blew that. Choke artist and shows again he – that maybe that Super Bowl and playoff run that he had was a fluke because these past couple conference championship games, he can't get the job done. He's no longer Superman. You know, we used to think of Aaron Rodgers as this guy who puts the team on his back fourth quarter. He comes ready to play in big games. He's going to win. That's the dude you don't want to face. Who's scared of Aaron Rodgers now? I think people are fearing a lot other people more than Aaron Rodgers at this point in their careers. We're more worried about Pat Mahomes. Deshaun Watson, Carson Wentz at this point, who I've been a critic of, proved me wrong. Russell Wilson, those are the clutch guys. Drew Brees, Tom Brady, those are the guys that you're like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to face those guys. Aaron Rodgers at this point, he's aged the worst out of Brees and Brady. And I'm an Aaron Rodgers fan, so maybe he'll I – don't, I don't see it changing anytime soon. I think the Packers window has now closed, and this is Aaron Rodgers' decline. And this is the rise and the start of the Pat Mahomes show in the Chiefs dynasty. So, got a fan question from my stepdad, Dale Manning, who's out of Columbus, Georgia. First of all, Dale, thank you so much for the question. I appreciate it. You know, I enjoy our conversations every day of us debating sports. As soon as you get home from work or I'm home from class or wherever I'm at, I always enjoy those conversations and just being able to debate and he's going to come on soon and battle me for the belt we got to set a date soon but i'll for sure let everyone know that he will be on the podcast debating me for the belt very soon so his question was how is the transfer portal affecting college football today and i'm previously talking to him about this i I know he's not the biggest fan of the transfer portal but I like the transfer portal. I honestly, I think it's good for the college football, good for the game. This is why. It allows teams to make a championship run when they're just missing that one piece. And that's good. We want college football to be more competitive. I hear constantly people are complaining, it's the same five, six teams. It's the same teams. Well, this is what the transfer portal can help you with. If you recruit well enough and you're missing just that one piece, maybe you're missing the quarterback. Maybe you're missing that defensive playmaker. And you can go to the transfer portal and bring in that guy and try to find something. I love the transfer portal, and I I think it's a great system. Now, here's what I would make the transfer portal because I enjoy it. Allow kids – 
I'm trying to think of a, I think if you transfer out of the conference, you get instant eligibility. If you transfer in the conference, you have to sit out that year. And I think that's fair. This allows kids for if they're transferring for playing time, they'll get playing time out of the conference. That's okay. Like, just go get your playing time and go get your name out there. Because I personally, I think you want, if you want to play, go play. I want you to play. You enjoy the game. That's awesome. Go find the best situation for you. For teams, you're not losing your players to your biggest rivals. And that's key. You, know, you hate to see guys transfer from Georgia to Florida, Florida to Georgia, Georgia to Tennessee. Georgia to Alabama, Alabama to Auburn, Georgia to Ole Miss. We've seen a lot of these in-conference transfers, and I'm not the biggest fan of that. I'll, I want to play them because I want to, you know, go beat them down. Personally, as a player, that's not what I want to do. But, you know, it's more of if they're going for playing time, go to another school out of the conference because, you know, they, these guys, you know, we worked, they worked hard to bring you in, and now – after a year, you're turning your back, and they expected you to be that depth that they needed. And if you work hard enough, maybe get that starting spot. And it does take competition out of the game to a point, but also it it brings back to giving kids the opportunity to play and you know go through their careers. Um, another question he also had was, how do I feel about athletes making money on their likeliness? So. OBJ thing, I'm not really going to get into it that much. I didn't see much of a problem. I think OBJ was trying to make a situation for himself. And, you know, a couple hundred dollars to a player, it's not that – it doesn't bother me. I, LSU won the game, and it shouldn't affect anything for anybody. If anything, OBJ should be punished. He should just wait until the locker room and handed those guys that money. So I don't have a problem with guys making money on their likeliness, but this is what I think they should do. They get a lot of benefits from going to the, these big universities. They get food. They get cool sports apparel gear. They get a place to stay. They get to stay together. They get awesome facilities. And all these guys are able to, you know, see this stuff. And it's, it's a great situation. They're, getting, they're gaining a lot. So they should split the profits that they make off their name with the school. Because the school is giving them the opportunity to get their name out there. So they split the profits with the school, and they're allowed to receive this money after they graduate. This mainly is, so it forces them mainly to develop a backup plan. We see often that, you know, players aren't, aren't doing the right things with their money when they get to the NFL. And, you know, being a young, a young kid myself, I don't know how I'd spend that money either. You know what I mean? I've, I've never had that much money, so I don't know. I've been, I'm not making millions like they are. But if they go to school and they get their degree and they have that money in a little uh, trust fund pretty much for them to get after they graduate, works perfectly. It, one, it increases the likeliness that they go get that degree. And they have the fallback plan. And if football doesn't work out or they get injured or something, they just always have something they can turn back to and go make some money and support their families and live a healthy, good life. Also, I, a lot of people are going to disagree with this, but I think football players should be able to make minimum wage for the hours they put in a practice, film, et cetera, stuff like that, team activities where the coach can vouch for their hours, et cetera, like that. No more than, of course, you know, 40 hours a week, preferably. You don't want them making huge money at that point because they're also making the money off their likeliness. But 
It gives them the spending money that they need. And, you know, they don't, they don't have time to go work these jobs. Like, for example, I, I could, I can go do, or some of my listeners can go do, they could go get a job while they're in school. They don't have the time to go get those part-time jobs. It's being a, an athlete at a big university is, is a full-time job. And for some of these guys, you know, when they go back home and stuff like that, especially over the summer, what are they going to do? So this gives them, you know, a little thing to fall back on during, especially when the season's not in. And it just gives them, I just, I think they should be paid a little bit. The schools are bringing in a lot of money, so they should get a little bit of money to help them out. And people are going to argue, oh, well, then the teams who bring in the most money will have the best players all the time. Well, isn't that already happening? Bama, Clemson, Ohio State, Georgia, Texas, Florida. Name the big school, Texas A&M. Name the best recruiting schools, and those are usually the teams that bring in the most money. So it's the same thing that's happening now. So what would it really change? Just as a little closing out here. Oh, one thing I'm going to mention real quick. I want to, I want to talk about what I'm, what's going to be on my next podcast. One. Um, so let's see. Oops. So next podcast, January 27th, just a couple of things. You're going to hear my Super Bowl predictions. And then for my Georgia fans, you're going to hear what I think about Georgia's new offensive coordinator hire. Um, I, I really like it. Todd Munkin It's going to be a good hire. I, I liked the hire. You're going to hear more about that. You're going to hear the impact on LSU feeling the negative impacts of being a successful program and losing your passing game coordinator, Joe Brady, and your defensive corner, Dave Miranda. Also, we're going to talk about how Kyrie Irving is overrated. And I'm going to get all, I'm going to prove that to you. So just a little thing to do while, you know, you're not watching sports. It's kind of a little dead season right here. No football just coming up weekend. A couple things for you to go binge watch on Netflix like I did while I was waiting for the games to start. The Aaron Hernandez documentary, crazy series on Netflix. Very, very crazy. Matt, oh, just an awesome series. Go check that out. And also, don't F with cats. Uh, very, very morbid series, but it's an interesting watch, and it'll get you going. Don't forget to like and subscribe to this channel right here, Sports Pantomats. I would greatly appreciate it. It would give me some feedback, and I'll, it really helps me out knowing that, you know, I've got some guys who want to tune in and watch. Give us a like on Facebook, Sports Pantomats Podcast. We're on Instagram, at Sports Pantomats. Twitter, at Sports Pantomat one And contact us via email, sportspantomats at gmail.com. You can find this on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, under Sports Pantomats. Um, I'm Cole Hill, and thank you very much for listening. And tune in January 27th for my next podcast.